Thank you, Lord. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, <laughs> with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up, snatched away is the word, is what it means, raptured, snatched away quickly. And in that quick millisecond of time, it's the smallest amount of time that can be fractured down. In that millionth of a second, the dead in Christ are going to rise and we're going to be caught up with them in the air. Transformed, renewed, brand new bodies. Brand new bodies. We'll never taste death. We'll never, the, the corruptible will be swallowed up in incorruptibility. We'll be transformed into life, true life. The same type of body that Jesus walked through the walls. But yet you can touch. It's a whole different dimension. We're like in 3D. I don't know what D that is, like six, seven. I don't know. But, but it's like, it's not Casper the Friendly Ghost stuff. It's like tangible. Here, put your finger in my hand. I'll eat food with you. This wall doesn't mean anything. Caught up. We can fly. He's coming, church. This is not a sad thing. This is not a thing to be afraid of. The return of the Lord for those who are ready is a, is a beautiful thing. It is our blessed hope. It is one of the pillars of Foursquare, our soon coming king. That's something to be excited about. We get excited about his healing. We get excited about being baptized. I'll tell you what I'm excited about is getting the heck up out of here. I'm so excited about that. But I can't just sit my tail on the, on the pew and like a lot of church and a lot of Christians do and say, just come back, Lord. I've been doing that for 2,000 years. Just come back. I'm done with this place. But he's not done with this place, church. He's not done with this place. He loves every single person on the planet as much as he loves you. And he expects us to go and occupy until he comes. That means occupy means that you take ground. That you take ground. You go back and you tell what the enemy has stolen and the, the lives that have been deceived and those who've been hurt. Those that he's stole and killed and destroyed. He's stole their th hopes, their dreams, their futures. And you take it back. And you say, no, there's a God and he's a good God. Let me tell you about my God. He's the savior of the world. He's the alpha and the omega. He's before time and after time. He does not change. He's all powerful, all loving, all merciful. He is a good, good God. Do you know him? He is coming back. He's also the God of heaven's armies. He's also the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's also a roaring lion. But he's also the lamb of God. Do you know him? That's why you're here. You're not here for any other reason. Don't get this twisted. Your purpose on this planet is to be a kingdom priest. To be a kingdom priest. To glorify your king. To represent him everywhere you go. That people would understand the goodness and the mercies of God. That they would see that he is Alpha and Omega. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That he still raises the dead. He still does. And I sure as heck tried. 
I did. And I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to quit, church. you got to understand something. It didn't happen, but I'm not going to quit. I believe greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I didn't see it happen, and boy, I sure wanted it to. I begged. I don't understand, but I'm not going to blame God. I know that. I'm not going to question, is he good or not? I know God is good. I know the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. My enemy is death. Why do I say? Because it was Jesus' enemy. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is the life. He's the one who heals. He's the one who restores. Sickness, death, and disease are all from the enemy. So that's my opponent. And I don't like the enemy. He tried to take me out many times throughout my life. And he's taken out plenty of people that I love. And I don't like him. So I'm not going to help him. We're not going to bite and devour one another. We're not going to tear one another down. We're going to honor a brother who we just lost. And we're going to encourage one another. We're going to be a family like God intended us to be. We're going to love one another. We're going to encourage one another. We're going to build up one another in our most holy faith. When we see those who are struggling, we're going to pull them up. We're not going to kick them while they're down. We're going to be the church. We're going to be the church. We're going to be the church. The most powerful thing that God has ever made on this planet is the church. It's his plan. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You are the church. I am the church. Whatever I do, the church does. Whatever you do, the church does. Whatever I don't do, the church doesn't do. And whatever you don't do, the church doesn't do. So you can't blame someone else or point your finger at someone else. Because I tried it. I don't even try it. I already did it for you. I sat in a whole different church and said, how come the church isn't doing this? How come the church isn't doing that? Well, how come? And the Lord said it very, very plain as he does. He said, Steve, you're the church. You're the church. Whatever you do, the church does. Whatever you don't do, the church doesn't do. That shut me up. Loud and clear. He basically said, why don't you worry about yourself? Why don't you do what I've called you to do? Don't worry about no one else. Quit trying to measure yourself by other people. Measure yourself by me. Do you see it in him, church? Do you see life in him? Do you see the th your life? Do you see it in him? If there's things in your life that you don't see in him, it's real simple. Then it's not supposed to be there. If you see things in this world that aren't in him, guess what? They're not supposed to be in you. And you can't align yourself. He's coming back. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He shouldn't have to knock at the door of the church. He shouldn't have to knock. He should say, Lord, come on in. But boy, isn't it very timely for the days we're in. He's having to knock on the door of the church. Are you open? Is there anyone in there? I've told you long. It doesn't matter what you think. It don't matter what I think. It matters what this word says. And we better get real solid about this word. Because he isn't kidding. One day, we're all going to find out he really meant what he said.
God loves his church. He loves his church. He loves his church. If you're a Christian, you have to love his church. I'm so tired of you here. Well, you know, they don't come to church. Why? Well, I got hurt. Join the club. You probably got hurt at a bar, too. You probably got hurt on the baseball field. You probably got hurt out at the lake. You probably probably got hurt on the golf course. Well, I got hurt at the church. What's that got to do with you and Jesus? What's that got to do with you and Jesus? Did Jesus hurt you? I promise you he didn't hurt you. And he's the one who paid the price for your sins. He's the one who bore the stripes for your healing. He's the one who took the, the, the nails in his hands and his feet for you. Did Jesus hurt you? You better love what he loves and hate what he hates. Oh, Lord. He's so good. He loves his church. I'm going to show you today he delivers his people out of tribulation. 1 Thessalonians verse, chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. It says, For they themselves report, and this is Paul speaking to the Thessalonica church, For they themselves report about us what kind of a reputation we had with you and how you turned to God from idols, to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from where? From heaven. Whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus. Who rescues, everyone say us, us from what? The wrath to come. Who rescues us from the wrath to come? Who rescues us? That is a good God. That is a good God. Come on, somebody. How many will you, how many will you believe Jesus? Then let's turn to Luke chapter 17. I love how Jesus and, and Peter used two big analogies or two two big things that happened in history to point towards his return. And you can think whatever you want. You can say, you're wrong, Pastor. I don't believe that. That's fine. You don't have to believe it. But it's what Jesus said. Luke 17, verse 26 through 30 says, everyone pay attention to this. And just as it happened in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They were eating, they were drinking, they were marrying, they were being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was business as usual. Life was still spinning. People were still buying things, going to the grocery store, they were still getting married. Life was still spinning. Everything was going on as usual until the day. Until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same as happened in the days of Lot. Two people to look at, two experiences. I want you to see something here. What you don't see, and we're talking about a post, a mid, or or pre, is Noah didn't get in the boat after the rain got about halfway up the boat. Come on. Jesus saying, I want you to look at something. And he's going to give us another one to look at. 
Noah didn't get in the boat when the water was up to the door and it started floating. Jesus said, I want you to look at this. It was the same. It's going to be the same as what happened in the days of Lot. They were eating. They were drinking. They were buying. They were selling. They were planting. They were building. But on the day. See, there's coming a day. That Lot went out from Sodom. When? When Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just the same on the day that the Son of Man is revealed. If you go back and you read the stories and you read the passages, you're going to see the angels literally tell Lot and his wife and his family, you have to get out before we can rain down the fire. You have to leave. Do you know why? Because right was, Lot was righteous. You remember God's heart? He said, would you spare, would you spare Sodom and Gomorrah if we found 50 righteous? And God said, for 50 I'd spare it. All the way down. To what was it, 10? God even said, all right, I'll spare it for the 10 righteous. How many righteous are on this planet right now? I'll guarantee you there's more than 10. There's some lenses we have to look through when we look at Scripture. Is God the same yesterday, today, and forever? There's certain lenses you have to look through and you go, this don't fit. I might not understand this passage, but it doesn't fit with the three, four pages I've already read to you to this point of God's characteristics, what God has done in the past and what he's done, going to do in the future. Nowhere do I see a good God who is just pouring out his wrath on the righteous. We don't see it. If you can show me an example, I will, I will say I'm wrong. You will see, don't get it confused, you will see man's wrath poured out on the church. And we see that from, from day one. Jesus said, be light. And oh, by the way, the darkness hates the light. They hated me. They will hate you also. We see Stephen getting stoned and the glory of God shining on him. We see all of the apostles persecuted for their faith. Even John, when he's writing the book that we're studying, had been banished. They already tried to boil him in oil, and he didn't die. So they said, we're just going to go stick him out on Patmos. You think that was because he was buddy-buddy with the world? Oh, he was actually preaching the gospel, doing what they told him not to do. Oops. I think we have a long history of Christians who preached the gospel, who pro proclaimed the truth, even when they were told not to. Church, you're going to have to figure some things out. You're going to have to make some lines in the sand and say, my God's worthy. And I, I don't even forget the politics. I do believe we have a right. But I don't even care if we didn't have the right, because there's three quarters of the world or more don't have the right, but they just know he's worthy to be praised. He's worthy. I'm not going to let the rocks cry out. We're going to shout it from the rooftops. He's worthy. I read somewhere, as you see the day of the Lord approaching, 
to not forsake the assembling of the brethren. Is the day of the Lord approaching? What he's, he kept his word. Are we going to keep ours? When, I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I literally heard like, hey, pick up your cross and follow me. You're going to lay down your life for me. Are you willing? Now, it was easy for me because I didn't have much to give or to lose. I'd already lost it all. It's going to be hard for some that have a lot. It was the same way in Jesus' day. Remember the rich young ruler. He said, oh, I've obeyed you. I've followed all your decrees. I've followed all the commandments. He said, that's really good. There's just one thing you lack. Just sell all you have and come follow me. It says that he went away sad because he had much. What's keeping you from following him? What's, what's keeping you from saying, I will lay down my life if I have to? What is it? You need to get rid of it. Because whatever it is, the enemy will exploit. He will, he will, it will be a place that he will continually, continually, continually work. If it's fear, he's going to, oh, I promise you in this day and age, that fear is going to get hammered. And I'm not looking down on no one. I heard people like, but pastor, boy, you're just so, I wasn't always this way. I went to Africa afraid. Sometimes you got to do things anyways. I wouldn't get out of my house half the time to do things if I was afraid, just because I was afraid. I would minister to people. Sometimes, what are they going to think? Well, this guy's a white, bald-headed looking, I don't know, he looks kind of weird. Hey, Jesus loves you. Do it afraid. Courage isn't not being afraid. Courage is doing it anyways. And you know what? Here, I'm going to hammer you Pentecostals for a minute. I'm one too. You read in the book of Acts, what was the reason you were baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit? A bold witness. To give you boldness to witness. It should never be said that there's non-baptized in the Holy Spirit people that are out witnessing you. Come on. Oh, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You want to brag about it? Oh, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I can pray in tongues. Shanda de 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 de. Well, what do you do? What are you using it for? Are you doing? Are you are you using it for the purpose it was given? So you can say I'm baptized. Like somehow you're holier. Are you in obedience to what he said? Because guess what? You can witness without the baptism. But boy, when you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire inside of you, and it's Christ in you bubbling out like a, you can't help it. It's a lot easier. When that dude comes out, it's like, whoa, get out of the way. You got to make your mind up. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As for me and my house, it might cost you something. You know what? I don't have anything. It's already all his. Whatever you're holding on to, it probably is not his yet. What's keeping you from it? What's keeping you from doing what he's called you to do? I would dare say that's an idol. Ooh, hallelujah. Shout now. 
Hey, Steve, whatever's keeping you from doing what I tell you is an idol. There, you're not alone. What are you afraid of? Is what you're afraid of bigger than your God? Why are we acting like it? Why is the church acting like whatever the heck's going on, like the coronavirus? Is the coronavirus bigger than our God? So why are we acting like it? That's a simple question. There was this little dude named David. Just because everyone else, now hear me, just because everyone else, all the Israelites were afraid of the giant. They all said, we better not go out. He's big. He said he's going to wipe us all out. David's like, what? I mean, you, really, you just see David just going, what is going on? Who, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies my God? He's blown away. He's like, why haven't you killed him? Is there not enough? Hey, what's, what did you say you get for killing the giant? Oh, I'm in. Did he not? How hard do you think that was for him? Do you think his mind was made up before he ever saw the giant? Oh, I'll promise you it was, because he didn't think about it. He was blown away. His mind was like, Bagak. what are y'all doing? He didn't need a hundred other people to agree with him. Saul tried to put his armor on him. That's man always tries to do things in here, let's put this on you. It's like that ain't gonna work. I killed a lion with this stone and a slingshot. I killed a bear with a slingshot. I think I'll take a slingshot. And he wasn't scared. He ran at the giant church. He ran at him. And the giant gave his threats, and he says, oh, yeah? Well, today, I'm going to have your head with your sword. And guess what he did? Here's the head of the giant. And you know what Israel did? Oh, they got real tough then. Hey, that's good. When you take out the giant, people get excited. <laughs> right? Maybe we need to take some giants out. Maybe we need a few people to go like, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Yeah, there's a coronavirus. There was a giant too, and it was real. And it looked scary. But David said, just not on my watch. Do we, I mean, everyone started reading Psalm 91. Like, we, like hey, it's not going to come and touch my dwelling. Psalm 91, Psalm 91. And then it, the, the, the giant barked a little bit and goes, ah! Am I preaching the truth? Does it get me in trouble? Yes. <laughs> you never know what a man might say under the anointing. I'll tell you what. There's a lot of things I wouldn't say if it wasn't if there wasn't an anointing on me. I promise you that. Last week I was like, oh, Lord, you're not helping me dig out of this hole. You were helping me dig deeper. He doesn't really care. He's like, do what I said. Yes, sir. 
It'll be just the same on the day of the, the Son of Man is revealed as it was in the days of Noah, in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Second Peter 2, 4 through 9. Peter, in his second letter, he's addressing the church. He's addressing people knowing that his death is imminent. He's about to, to give his life. And he says, For God did not spare even the angels who sinned. He threw them into hell and gloomy pits of darkness. Who did he do that for? The sinful angels. When they are being held, where they're being held until the day of judgment. And God did not spare the ancient world except for Noah and the seven others in his family. Noah warned the world of God's righteous judgment. Hey, what are we supposed to be doing? Warning the world of God's righteous judgment. So God protected Noah. What? Oh, God protected Noah when he destroyed the world of who? Ungodly people with a vast flood. Later, God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah and turned them into heaps of ashes. He made them an example of what will happen to who? Ungodly people. But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom. Because why? He was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Oh, it didn't say who was okay with the shameful people and immorality and the wicked people around him. He was okay. Oh, it says he was sick of the shameful immorality and the wicked people around him. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. Church, does that sound familiar? Is there anybody tormented in soul by the wickedness that we're seeing day after day? Are we in the days of, of Noah, the days of Sodom and Gomorrah? It says, so you see, the Lord knows how to what? Rescue godly people from their trials. Even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. There's this word, and it is trials. The Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials. In the Greek, it is not plural. The word is per, perasmau, perasmo, one or the other. Maybe not even those. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not Greek. But it's singular. I know that. I know the difference between singular and plural. I got me an education. That word that's there for trials can also, it also means affliction or tribulation. Not tribulations. So it could be read in the proper Greek. The Lord knows how to rescue godly people from, not there, it's not plural, from the tribulation. Even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. Now, I'm not going to say you got to go take that leap, but I am promising you this. It is not plural. 2 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 5, and we're, we're heading there. This is a really interesting passage of Scripture. I've been studying it for a while, and I missed a few things early on. And I, I was like, you know, sometimes the Lord's like, no, keep reading it. No, I'll read it again. I'm like, Lord, good Lord, I think I got it. And they're like, oh, I didn't get it. So you're going to get it the first time. Praise the Lord. 
2 Peter 3, 1 through 15 says, This is my second letter to you, dear friends, and in both of them I have tried to stimulate your what? Wholesome thinking and refresh your memory. I want you to remember what the holy prophets said long ago and what our Lord and Savior commanded through the apostles. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. Would you say that's consistent? They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. Now that's the part I want you to ponder for a while. This is, this is where the, what the Lord wanted me to see. Listen to what's being said in the last days. From before the times of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. That is what is being taught in every school and every classroom in science and in colleges. It's evolution. Everything has remained the same. Except for this, there's one big problem that all the people groups on the earth all have a flood story. Everything hasn't remained the same. There was a huge shift in this earth. It was called the flood. What God originally designed was so beautiful, and I can't even wrap my head around it because it's pretty beautiful, and it's all jacked up now. But this whole earth got destroyed. God's whole wrath was poured out on it, and it don't look nothing the same that it once did. But science will tell you everything has stayed the same. And we as believers go, no, it hasn't. You know why we say that? Because he said so. Because he said so. It says, they deliberately forgot. Well, that's convenient. Isn't it convenient to deliberately forget that there's a God? And he's the creator? And he said it flooded? And if they actually looked at the flood story, it would explain a lot. They deliberately forgot that God made the heavens long ago by the word of his command. And he brought the earth out from the water. Did you hear that? And surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for what? The day of judgment. When who? Ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord and a thousand years like a day. The Lord really isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. He is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed. Church, we serve a good God. We serve a good God. He loves us. He loves people. He loves your friends, your neighbors, your family. He loves your enemies. Six billion people on the planet he loves. Pick a couple. He wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come. And that term, the day of the Lord, is, is encompassing from the time of the rapture all the way through to the millennium. All that period is, is the, the day of the Lord. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Isn't that what Jesus said about Moses, or Noah, I'm sorry, and, and Sodom and Gomorrah. 
They were eating and drinking in immediately on that day. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. We're not going to be on it. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, ooh, here we go. What holy and godly lives you should live in drudgery of the day of the God's returning. Oh, no. It doesn't say that. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. You heard me say a few weeks back, and some people thought I was crazy, that that day of his return is not known. I believe God knows the day, the Father, but it's moving. We can move it. I totally believe because that's what it says. What if we all literally got serious about going and sharing the gospel? Do you think the day would come closer? I promise you. He's not coming back until the world knows. Until every tribe, every people group has been given the gospel. And guess what? In this day and age with all the technology and all the media sources we have, oh, it is, it is probably already happened. There's not another prophecy that needs to happen. Not one. Except for the Antichrist to make a peace treaty with Israel. Hello? Hello? Anyone watching? Paying attention? And just to be clear, the president's not the Antichrist. People are all freaked out. Oh, no. They're making peace with Israel. Yay! I think I read somewhere we're supposed to pray for the peace of Israel. Are we not? Then you've got half the church, they're freaked out. Oh, no, I don't know if that's good. Of course it's good. It's really good. And the more and more it comes, it's going to get gooder. <laughs> My education came out. It's going to get gooder and more gooder. And more and more gooder. And then one day, because there's been peace and it's worked out so well, the Antichrist, which really is like the pretend, the pretend is going to come and fool Israel and say, peace, peace, let's sign this treaty with the whole world. And Israel's going to say, okay, you know why? He's going to say, you can sacrifice and make all your sacrifices to your God. You can sacrifice and you can have a holy of holies and you can worship your God. And the day that happens, I will promise you, or the day before, or what? We won't be here. The book of Daniel tells us that, which we're going to be getting to in a week or two. We're not going to be here. We're not going to be here. All hell's going to break loose. We're not going to be here. We're going to be feasting with our Savior. We're going to be having a marriage supper. We're going to be on our honeymoon. Woo! That's a good thing. I know that. I ain't the sharpest guy, but I know honeymoons are good. <laughs> We're going to be on honeymoon with our Savior. <laughs> Don't forget anything else I said. Honeymoons are good. <laughs> All the singles by are like, amen. He is, God's good. He's so good. 
since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives we should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away into the flames. But we are looking to the new heavens and the new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. You guys, a world filled with God's righteousness. It ain't here. This world ain't filled with his righteousness. This world's filled with a bunch of sin and decay and the results of it. But we're going to be in a world where there is no sin. Sin is completely done away with. You won't even have the opportunity to sin. You should be a lot more excited about that. <laughs> Your neighbors won't have an opportunity to sin because you, you guys don't. I know. You won't have to worry about the effects of it because it has been dealt with. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has established his kingdom. And he's saying, not on my watch. All of that got dealt with in the Battle of Armageddon. See, he's coming back on a horse. And he's taking very care of business, and you don't want to be here. He's going to take care of the, the unrighteous and the wicked. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found. Make every effort. Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are what? Pure and blameless in whose sight? You know why that's important? Because you can fool me. You can fool a bunch of people around you. He said, blameless in my sight. You can't fool him. You're not going to stand before him and say, well, I didn't do that. That wasn't my intent. See, you can get away with that here, and I can get away with that. Well, that wasn't my intent. You'll never get away with that. You will be stripped naked and bare. All your thoughts, your heart will be ripped open. You will, you, he's going to see. You can't lie, and you can't not get in his presence and lie. Make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. What a good God. A lot of the church just says, okay, I'm saved. Get me out of here. Beam me up, Scotty. patience gives people time to be saved this is what our beloved brother paul also wrote to you with the wisdom god gave him you see the unity that they're in they're not they're not one saying one thing one saying another jesus paul peter all in agreement why don't you stand with me Lord, you want communion with us. There's nothing that washes away our sin but the blood of Jesus. There's nothing that washes away our sin but the blood of Jesus. There's no other way to salvation but by you. And Lord, I just thank you right now, Lord, that it is your desire, we know, to save us. <laughs> to save us from the wrath to come. That is your desire, and I thank you for providing a way. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads today. I'm not going to ask you to, to, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to be bold because Jesus was very bold. And he's asking a church of this day and age to be bold. He was very bold when he was stripped and took all the stripes on his body. He was very bold when he carried that cross and he went to Golgotha. He was very bold. He was very bold when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he went and paid a price for you and me to know salvation. And he's coming, church. He is coming. Do you know him? I didn't ask, do you know of him? You say, well, pastor, I do believe God. Jesus is the son of God. 